Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Wasn't that awesome? Bob Schneider. <laughs> and he, he has been a local legend since we started Gateway 20 years ago. So it's such a privilege to have him here with us. For those of you who don't know me, I'm John Burke. I'm the senior pastor here at Gateway. And welcome to Keep Christmas Weird, which you may be thinking, I came for Bob Schneider. That's weird. Well, let me explain why we say that. You know, if you've been around Austin any time at all, you've seen the t-shirts, you've seen the bumper stickers, keep Austin weird, right? Now, I've been in and out of Austin, I've been to other cities, but for about 30 years now, and let me tell you, Austin is weird. It is. I mean, where, what other city could you have a restaurant named Dirties that survived since I've been at UT, right? Where, where else do you have yardists who do yard art like the Yard of Spots? or the, the Cathedral of Junk. This is 60 tons of junk built up over 25 years, complete with a Zen garden of old TVs. That's weird, right? Where else do you have a city that has bronze statues of, of guitarists like Stevie Ray Vaughan or Willie Nelson, right? Where else do you have a three-time candidate for mayor who wore nothing but a thong? I'm not going to show you that one. All right, I'll spare you. It's Christmas. No, Austin is this weirdly wonderful amalgamation of high-tech, highly educated, hippie, you know, world's uh, music capital meets the world, and the world is coming to us. You know, uh, right here at Gateway, we have 65 nations represented. That's not normal for Texas cities, but we're this weirdly wonderful odd vibe. And interestingly, Keep Austin Weird was all about not letting commercialism ruin our weirdly wonderful vibe. And it worked so well that someone trademarked Keep Austin Weird and sold t-shirts and all kinds of gear and commercialized it and did great, right? Oh well. But you know, Christmas is weird too. The original reason we celebrate Christmas is this uniquely odd, wonderful message. And yet commercialism can kind of Wash it away and make it this just normal thing. It becomes so normal we miss how weird Christmas was supposed to be. In fact, you know one of the weirdest Christmases ever was in 1914. It was a year that there was more division and hatred in humanity than you'd ever seen before. It was the world at war, World War I. And on the front lines, uh, the Germans and, and the British were in trenches dug miles long and, and day after cold wintry day shooting at each other and, and shelling with mortars and th- right between was the no man's land where neither British nor German soldier dared to go because you couldn't survive. And then came Christmas Eve 1914 and suddenly the machine guns stopped and the shelling stopped and there was silence. And British soldiers talk about how that evening, that night, they started to hear talk and, and laughter and, and something happened in the German trench. They peeked their head up as they hear shouts of joy and a Christmas tree with a light on top was being raised in front of the German trench. And then in the cold mist came this rich baritone singing in German, silent night, holy night, all is calm all is bright. And as other Germans joined in soon, the British joined in singing the same song in English. It was so surreal, so strange, so weird. The German voice shouted in the darkness in English, come over here. 
A British sergeant shouted back, you come over here. (laughs) A concession floated back, you come halfway, I come halfway. They said they watched as the sergeant crept dangerously out into the dark in the middle of no man's land. Came back a few minutes later with German cigars and then brought cakes and cookies for them. The next day, Christmas Day, was crystal clear, cloudless blue sky, and it was like the spirit from heaven had descended right into the hatred and division and coldness of war. Something indescribable happened. By the middle of the day, right in the middle of no man's land was a large gathering of British soldiers mixed with German soldiers, not shooting, not fighting, not hurling insults at the inhumane enemy, talking and laughing and sharing food and drink and trinkets and playing soccer together and wishing one another a Merry Christmas. In fact, some of the soldiers even exchanged addresses and promised to write each other after the war. It was like a supernatural peace had descended from heaven, bringing goodwill even to the enemy. One British soldier later wrote, I think I've seen one of the most extraordinary sights today that anyone has ever seen. A British officer wrote, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. A German said to one of the the British soldiers, we don't want to shoot you. You don't want to shoot us. Why do we fight? And interestingly, they went back to their trenches and the next day, no one would fight. The Germans nor the British soldiers wanted to shoot each other. And it stayed that way until finally a German commander shot one of their own German soldiers for resisting orders to shoot the enemy. And war broke out on both sides again. Back to the world as usual. But what a weird Christmas. Now, if you're normal, like most people, You're here and you need a weird Christmas too. Our world needs a weird Christmas, doesn't it? Because our normal is we want to live at peace, but something pushes us to fight, right? I mean, just watch the news and you're going to feel the push of race against race and party against party. There's just something that causes us to war. Husband against wife or child against parent or relative against relative, coworker against coworker, even friend against friend. And yet we all want peace. We all want joy. We want to call a truce and experience something different, something weird compared to our broken normal. You know, there's a song that's made a resurgence in the last few years called Hallelujah. And it was written by Leonard Cohen in 1984. uh, And it, it comes from the Hebrew word hallelujah, which means praise, and Yah or Yahweh, God, praise God. And Cohen mixes these biblical metaphors showing the struggle of humanity when we want something from heaven, but we struggle in our brokenness. And so really, the best we can bring is a broken hallelujah. But what if that's all God wants anyway? What if all God wants is for us to let him in to the trenches and the battles of our life and simply offer a broken hallelujah? Do you want a peace from heaven to descend into whatever you're struggling with tonight? Think about that as you listen to this song. Christmas is the time when we want our broken ways to be disrupted, right? You know, Scrooge buys the turkey and turns nice. You know, George Bailey's guardian angel helps him see you have a purpose in life. Life really is wonderful. Walter accepts Buddy as his elf child. 
See, Christmas is meant to disrupt what's normal, to not be normal, to be weird, that we could actually live together in peace, let the fighting cease, love one another as we all know we should. And that really was the message that came that first Christmas Eve to the shepherds in Bethlehem. An angel of the Lord stood before the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all people. The angel sang hallelujah. Praise God because he was bringing peace to earth. But how? Because it sure doesn't seem like it's worked, right? I mean, we just celebrated 100 years since the end of the war to end all wars, World War I. But it hadn't quite ended, has it? And, and still we have these struggles. Families divide and coworkers fight and there's hurt and hate and division. And that's normal even for lovers, But you have to understand something. God's plan for peace has always been weird. It was never normal. And in fact, 1914 was not the weirdest Christmas ever. You know the weirdest Christmas ever? I bet bet you Austin kids know. Any kids here? I heard you before. If you're a kid, shout, it's Christmas time. All right, you're here. All right. I bet you know the weirdest Christmas ever, and I'm going to give you a hint. The weirdest Christmas ever was when a baby was born. Who is that baby? Not boss baby. Yes, Jesus. Jesus is always a good guess in church. Just a little hint. (laughs) The night Jesus was born was not normal. It was not what you would expect at all. It was weird. And in fact, God knew it was going to be weird. And the first message about Christmas was not told that night to the, to the shepherds. It was actually told thousands of years in advance, 60 Christmas cards foretelling what God would do because he knew you're not going to accept it otherwise. It's too weird. The most famous of these prophetic foretellings was through the prophet Isaiah in 680 B.C., He wrote this, in the future, God will honor Galilee of the Gentiles, the place Jesus grew up. By the way of the sea along the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, not just any child, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Peace would finally come to earth personally. Now, if you're still a skeptic, like I once was, you know, I would have been saying, well, yeah, that was probably written after Jesus was born. But actually, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have proof, carbon dating, a book of Isaiah found before Jesus was ever born. God gave all kinds of evidence, if you're willing to seek, I found, that he would actually do the weirdest thing, that God would enter our world in a way we could relate to, to bring peace. Born as a child, grow up in Galilee, but bring a peace 
that isn't quite like our world looks at. So why isn't peace ruling on earth? Well, I think the first Christmas gives a clue. When the angel says, this will be the sign, mighty creator, the mighty creator God will invade humanity, and here's how you'll know. Here's the sign. The angel said, you'll find him wrapped in silken robes, lying in a dolce note, blue velvet upholstered antique white crib with a Thomasville Grand Royal gliding rocker on the side nestled in a cozy palace of a king. That's what we would expect, right? We would expect this to be Jesus' birth announcement, (laughs) right? That's how the mighty and the great come to earth. But that's not what he said. The angel said, here's the sign. The mighty creator is invading history as the prince of peace. You'll find him wrapped in dirty rags, lying in an animal food trough. That's a sign. That's weird. (laughs) What? That's the sign. Why is that the sign? Well, because it's a sign of humility. This is no ordinary king, and it's no ordinary peace. It's weird. It's disruptive to our world. The God of the universe would choose this. No power, no money, no royal treatment or applause or headlines, but be born in a barn, entrusted to a young, impoverished couple in the midst of scandal. Mary was pregnant and not married. (laughs) That's just weird. But mighty God comes to the messiest places of humanity, wrapped in humility. Why? Because peace only comes to earth wrapped in humility. See, God is actually for you, not against you. God loves you more than anyone in the universe. He created you and me for relationship with himself. And, and, and that's why he doesn't push himself on us. But he descends into the messiest places you've ever gotten yourself into to help us. Because you're his beloved child. Just like there's no place we wouldn't go to help our children. There's no place God wouldn't go to help you. Jesus showed that. Whether being wrapped up in rags and laid in a manger or wrapped up in rags and laid in a burial chamber. From the humility of his birth to the humility of his death, he showed you there's no place he won't go for you and for me to bring us to peace with God. But God's peace only comes through humility. And that's weird for this world because let's just be honest. We fight against humbling ourselves. You know, why isn't there peace on earth? I was thinking about this personally just a few months ago. I was taking a road trip and I hadn't been experiencing the most peace. I've experienced God's peace, but you know, uh, sometimes things get in the way, right? And I was thinking, why? Why does this happen? And you know what I realized? Pride is the problem. That when the anxiety and, and, and the, you know, the stresses and the impatience and the lack of love come out of me, it's usually... When I start to think, I've got to do it all myself without God's help. I got to do it. I got to take control. I got to make things happen. I got to change the circumstances to go the way I know they should. I got to make this person do what I know he or she should. But that's playing God. That's pride. And that's why the opposite of that is humility that admits, I'm just a human. And God, you're God. And I need your peace and I need your guidance. 
So God's peace only comes when we humble ourselves. And that's hard for us, isn't it? Now, sometimes Christmas can help. <laughs> it can help humble you, right? Because it's crazy. And, and we all want peace and joy, and yet it's so difficult. We got year-end closings and mall traffic and beloved family members, you know, that are driving you crazy. And you start to think about peace like as rest in peace, right? <laughs> and then there's loneliness and, and traveling with, with little kids. And, you know, I mean, Christmas can just wrestle the circumstantial peace out of you like an MMA cage fight. <laughs> A friend of mine was, was talking about... Um, flying home for Christmas with two toddlers under the age of three. If you've never made the 30,000 foot descent with toddlers, avoid it at all costs. They went to the very back of the plane knowing it was gonna be bad. And uh, by, by the end of the flight, it was like they were covered in you know, dirty diapers and spilled milk and cracker crumbs and crying kids. My friend knew it was bad when the, the snarky Southwest attendant said, if you'd like, we can let your kids play outside. And, and, you know, as they started descending, the, the screaming and the crying escalated. And, and, you know, they started talking about this was a bad idea. We shouldn't have brought the kids. You know, we, we should have left the kids with your mother. Why did we even think we could bring the kids? Why do we even have these kids? And they're talking, you know, and, and they're talking. And, and a man turns around from the seat in front and looks over, kind of surveys the damage. Says, are those your two kids? My friend slowly said, yeah, Sorry. And he says, no, my, my wife and I would give anything in the world to have two kids. And in that moment, my friend said it hit him. How so many times we're so worried and trying to change the circumstances of life that we miss the blessings of God. And so he said, you don't have any kids? The man said, no, I have five kids. My wife and I would give anything in the world to have two kids. <laughs> Of course, we're not talking about you kids. You're perfect, like Philip. No, no perfect kids allowed either. Let me ask you something. What are you banking on for peace this Christmas? Or maybe this year? Because you know, peace doesn't ever come wrapped up in perfect circumstances. Or the perfect promotion or recognition or the perfect amount of money or the perfect house or finding the perfect spouse who then you try to fix into the perfect person when you find out they're not so perfect after all. Peace doesn't come by proving how good you are to God. Peace comes to the uncomfortable, messy places of life when we simply let the God of peace in to those messy places that we find ourselves in. And in humility, we just call out, say, God, I need your peace. You know, many people here at Gateway have found that. Kenny, our Gateway Central campus pastor, discovered that God comes to jail. <laughs> After 10 years of drug addiction, he crawls out in the L.A. County jail, God, I can't do it. I need your peace, the peace that Jesus came to bring. And he found out God shows up in the L.A. County jail. David and Kay Moore, who are now two of our overseers here, found God met them in an affair and adultery, and, and in the messiness of a nasty divorce, when they finally realized, we've screwed up our lives, we've screwed up our marriages, God of peace, the peace Jesus brings, we need. And he met them there. And for 20 years, they've been here healing marriages. The God of peace comes into your work problems. Peru, my friend who was raised Hindu, found 
when his company that he had started was falling apart and he called out, God, I need your peace. I need the guidance that Jesus promised. And he found God met him right there in the mess of his work environment. Thousands have found that. That peace is a person. The prince of peace wrapped in humility who wants to enter the messiest places in life with you and all you have to do is humbly ask to let go of pride that says I have to do it all myself. I have to play God and just receive it like a gift. Peace is here tonight. Will you let him into the messy places of your life? You know, the reason that peace is weird in this world is the truth is so few people seek God's goodwill. You know, Jesus told us that's the path to peace. Just pray, our Father in heaven, you know, your will be done on earth, which has to start in my life as it is in heaven. And God's will and ways are the ways of humility and love, which is why God doesn't force his will on us because love can't be forced. It must be freely chosen. But that's also why we live in a world at war because we're a war of wills. My will, no my will. But for all willing to put God's will first, Jesus said this, trust in God, trust also in me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In this world you'll have trouble. It's a world at war. Because God gives us free will and we war against each other to see what I want, my will be done. And yet what's amazing is God still loves us so much. He enters humanity. He offers forgiveness. He'll enter into the mess of our lives to guide us into peace, into love for all who humbly ask. But you know, Christmas can just become so familiar, so normal that we don't let the weirdness of it disrupt what, what's normal. And I wanna challenge you this Christmas to keep it weird. Whether you're still a skeptic and you don't even know if you believe that God exists or if you've been following Christ for decades, try something. Keep Christmas weird this, this Christmas. And here are three suggestions of how to do that. First, expect God to interrupt you. You know, everyone in the Christmas story was interrupted by God. They had to let God interrupt what was normal, but that's risky. It can feel out of control, like the soldiers laying down their arms to go into no man's land, not knowing what would meet them there. But will you let God interrupt what's normal? Will you invite him in this Christmas? And then join God in what God's doing. You know, the people who experienced the joy and the peace of Christmas didn't resist and pridefully hold on to being in control. They stepped out in faith and said, okay, I'm human. I'm going to let God be God and I'm going to be okay not being in control of everything. And then God led him in unpredictable ways. Maybe he'll lead you to make peace with someone this Christmas. Maybe to bring kindness or love even to an enemy at Christmas. Meet God in what he's doing. And then move toward Jesus. The entire Christmas story is about Jesus. And about people either moving toward and embracing Jesus or rejecting Jesus. And you know, I used to think Jesus, son of God, that was all a myth. But I'll tell you honestly, I just had never moved toward Jesus. I'd never really read the New Testament. I'd never studied history to see if God really did give evidence that this was true. I'd never really prayed to God with an open, honest heart. 
I just held the whole thing at arm's length because quite honestly, it was comfortable and it kept me in control, whatever semblance of control I really had. But will you move toward Jesus this Christmas? You know, maybe that's simply just starting to pray, God, all right, if you're real and if you really did reveal yourself in a form I could relate to, show me. I want to be open-minded and open-hearted. And watch what he'll do with that if you sincerely pray. There is hope this Christmas Eve for peace. There's hope this year for peace. But remember, peace is personal. Peace only comes to earth through you and me. And God says that starts in relationship with the God who loves you more than anyone you've ever been loved by, knows you better than you know yourself, wants to be your power when you feel powerless, wants to do life with you and me and guide us to grow up in his love and his peace that we might bring it to this earth. And all it takes is being humble enough to let him in tonight. The only way peace comes to earth is wrapped in humility. Will you invite the God of peace to descend into whatever battle, whatever struggle you're dealing with today as we sing Silent Night together?